Well, good morning, Journey. You know, when, when we first embarked on our journey through Exodus weeks ago, we described it as an epic adventure. Um, and we've seen over these last few weeks just how this epic has unfolded with some really dramatic moments. We've looked at the burning bush, the, the ten plagues, the defeat of the powerhouse nation known as Egypt. We looked at the Ten Commandments. And now today we come to Exodus chapter 24. And this is one more dramatic scene in which God confirms this relationship that he wants to have with the nation of Israel. And he calls it a covenant relationship. Now, that word covenant is probably not a word that you use in your everyday vocab. You know, as a pastor, uh, when I officiate weddings, I talk about a marriage covenant, but it's not a, not a term that we necessarily think of or go to. But the biblical idea of a covenant is really um, a sacred relationship. It's, it's the idea that God has established a relationship with his people where he belongs to them as their God and the people belong to him as their God. Now in the Old Testament days, as you read, read through it uh, in that Old Testament setting, it was literally like a legally binding agreement. If you break it, you know, you're done with. But in order to establish this kind of covenant that God wants to have with his people, it had to be confirmed. You know, and today we might say it was, it was notarized. But they had to confirm it. And that's what Exodus chapter 24 is all about. Now previously, you know, we, we looked at the Ten Commandments last week in, in Exodus 20. And then the following chapters, 21, 22, and 23, kind of set the terms of the covenant. Because following those Ten Commandments are things that talk about personal property, social relationships, even slavery, festivals, all those things that, may, that make up the covenant that God wants to have with his people. And then in chapter 24, all of that stuff is done, and it comes down to this confirmation saying, this is it. This is the kind of relationship that I want to have with you as my people. Now, you're probably thinking, you're probably already mentally checked out, and, and, and before you nod off, just hang with me, because this is really cool stuff. And as we, as we get to the end of it, you'll see how this applies for us today. You see, God established a relationship with his people. He wants to have that relationship. And Exodus chapter 4, 24, is the chapter where it's confirmed, not only with Israel, but with us today through his son, Jesus. So God's covenant with Israel and with us, really, is communicated through the written word. It's confirmed through blood, and it's celebrated through a meal. So let, let's talk first about this communication part. God, God communicates his relationship, the desire that he has for a relationship, through his word, both then and now. So we pick up in chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 3, and then we'll come back later to verse 1, but verse 3 of Exodus 24 reads, Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, and they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. 
Then jump down to verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. So Moses writes down all, all the words. And covenant relationships were always written down. Now this was a whole lot more than, you know, passing a slip of paper in junior high class that says, do you like me? Check yes or no. <laughs> I might have done something like that when I was in junior high. But this is the first of two ways that a relationship is solidified in writing. So Mo Moses writes down not just the Ten Commandments, but all those other laws and regulations from, from chapter 20 on. So really, this was, in essence, the first draft, so to speak, of the Old Testament. This first writing, this first uh, compiling in written form. And it also just confirms to us that Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible that we call the Pentateuch. So Moses reads this law to the people. It says he reads all the words, all the laws, you know, and he, and he puts it down, and the people respond enthusiastically, yes, we will obey. But get this journey, whenever and wherever God's word is read, it always calls for a response. For the people of Israel, it says they responded with this unanimous one voice, we'll do it, we'll obey. And then in verse 7, they, they kind of even more emphatically say, yes, we will do everything, we will obey. And they promise to obey. And if you know your Old, Old Testament history, that lasted for about, you know, a couple of months, and they blew it. But you know what? God's word still demands and calls for a response today. You know, we, that's why we focus on Scripture here at, at Journey. You know, we have a high view of Scripture in the sense we know that it is the Word of God. God has given us His Word. We call it the Bible. So here at Journey, we preach through books of the Bible or highlights of books, and we want to point people to Scripture. We start and end with Scripture, you know, Sunday mornings when we're preaching. It's about, that's really who we are and what we do. And we do so because the Word of God, God's Word, is life-changing, it's transformative, it's living and active. It's not a dry, dusty book, it's not irrelevant, it has impact and meaning today, here in 2022. I love how Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 puts it, speaking in this regard, it says, the Word of God is alive, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Have you ever like read through a section of scripture that you might have read a dozen times before? You know, you're reading through a story that you know how it ends, but this day you read that scripture again and it just like jumps off the page and hits you between the eyes. That's what it's like when the word of God is living and active. It speaks to us, it speaks to our heart, where we are at, and in the situations that we are in. But the Word of God also points us to Jesus. Jesus him, himself is referred to as the Word. In John chapter 1, in the prologue of that gospel, it, it touches on this. 
John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Then verse 14 of John 1, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, just, just like the Old Testament laws for Israel, all of Scripture, Jesus himself calls for a response on our part. So what does your response look like for you today? Maybe you're just in that kind of exploring phase, checking out who Jesus is, really in a place of spiritual searching, maybe spiritual longing, spiritual curiosity. Or maybe you've come to that point in your life where you have embraced him and said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you are just indifferent and rejected him and keep him, keep him at arm's length. I mean, there's only a few different responses that we can have to Jesus. But when it comes to the written word, when it comes to the Bible, let me just encourage you to stay in it. Stay with it. You know, if, if you've kind of fallen off the rail on your Bible reading plan this year, pick it back up. Or jump on your version Bible app and find a new reading plan to dig into. I mean, honestly, that's, I've struggled with that this week as well. Some weeks I go by and it's like Wednesday or Thursday and I realize, man, I have not, you know, kept up on my reading this week. So instead of just forgetting all about it, just jump back in. Just pick up where you left off and keep going. So let's run after this together. Let's stay in the Word of God together beyond Sunday morning um, worship time. So God, God confirms His covenant with us through His Word. As you read all of the Scripture, you can see this desire that He has for a relationship with us. But it doesn't stop there. He also confirms this relationship through blood, both then and now. So that's the second component of this covenant. It's not only written down, but then there's this whole blood component because it tells us in this passage of Exodus 24 that they built an altar, and on this altar there was some blood thrown on it. It was written down and sealed with blood. It wasn't signed or stamped with a notary stamp. It was sealed with blood. Now, why blood? It's in our you know, in our mindset, North American, Western eyes, we, that just seems a little weird sometimes. Well, this was a matter of life and death for the Israelites. And keeping the covenant meant, meant life, that life would ensue. Breaking the covenant led to spilling of blood and to death. So this was serious business. This wasn't like going to your junior high friend and doing a, a pinky swear, you know. This was, this was life and death stuff. Now the sequence of this sacrifice is important. So let's look back to chapter 24. We pick up in the last part of verse 4. He, Moses, got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar, the altar that he just built. 
I'll jump down to verse 8. Moses then took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Now the sequence of that is important because he throws the blood on the altar first, Godward, and then on the people second. And that's significant because he just recognizes that in any relationship there's, there's two parties, right? But here in this covenant, it all starts with God. He's the one that took the initiative. Israel didn't, didn't go to the Lord God and said, hey, you know, I kind of like you. Do you like us? Check yes or no. That's not, that's not how it worked. This whole arrangement was God's idea in the first place. So this recognition through this sacrifice of throwing the blood on the altar first was just acknowledging that, yes, God is God and he is wanting the relationship with us. And then the blood is spread on the people. So, why even study all this stuff? I mean, what, what does it matter today? Why are we spending a whole Sunday morning talking about this covenant and blood? And, and why are we pausing on Exodus 24 and not moving on to something else? Well, Israel's experience shows us how to have a right relationship with God. Now, like the Israelites, we stand in the presence of a holy God who calls us to worship him. And like, like the Israelites, we're, we are called to be obedient to him, obedient to his will and his, his calling. But unfortunately, just like the Israelites, we cannot keep his commands any better than they did. But like them, we have a relationship with God on the basis of blood. That's why this is so important. Blood has always been the basis for our relationship with God. Now, in the Old Testament sacrificial system, it was elaborate, it was, it was drawn out, and it was always confirmed and always had this element of, of that salvation, that their salvation came by blood. And for them, it was the blood of animals. I mean, I, sometimes I think the priests in the Old Testament were more like butchers because they were constantly killing animals and throwing blood around. And it was probably a bloody affair to be around the temple at that time. But really, this is preparing the way for us, preparing the way for Jesus, who really, when he came on the scene, he showed the full significance of these sacrifices. In fact, he fulfilled that whole sacrificial system that's why this is so important. That's why we're taking the time today to talk about this sacrifice and what it looks like to have a covenant relationship with our God. In fact, a quick survey of the New Testament, we see that, G that salvation through Jesus was often described in terms of blood. Here's a few examples. First one's from Romans 3. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. From Romans 5, we have now been justified by his blood. In Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. From Ephesians 2, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And from Colossians 1, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And from Revelation chapter 1, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You see, blood is a big deal. Not just for the Old Testament priests and for Israel, but for us as well. See, it's by the blood of Jesus that we are made right with God. It's by the blood of Jesus that we find forgiveness and freedom from sin. It's by the blood of Jesus that we can step into this new life. We are saved by the blood, through the blood, and because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus the Christ. You see, blood is a big deal. So this covenant relationship that God wants to have with Israel and wants to have with us today, it was communicated through the word. It was confirmed through the blood, but also it was celebrated through a meal, both then and now. Looking back at Exodus 24, we pick up in verse 9. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapsus lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. I love that last line. It's like they saw God and they lived. It, they weren't immediately wiped out. They saw the glory of God. And as, as I studied this passage, some of the commentators say that they probably just saw the lower part of God because that's the only description that we have. You know, they saw his feet and this pavement. You know, the scripture says it's lapis lazuli, but it's probably like a, a sky blue sapphire gem. That's actually one of the stones that the priests would later put on their breastplate as they would uh, serve as priests for the kingdom of Israel. So this meeting and this meal together was really part of God's plan. They had the invitation to come up to God, and because of that invitation, they weren't wiped out when they saw him. So this is where we tie back to the first verse of Exodus 24. Verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance. You see, the Lord, the Lord was this willing party in this covenant relationship. He was the initiating party in the relationship. Do you see that? He says, come up to me. I, I want to show you who I am. I want this relationship with you. And if, and if getting a glimpse of God's glory were not, a, not enough, they were given this further privilege of sharing a meal with him. I mean, think about a meal. You eat meals with people that you want to hang out with, that you enjoy their presence, or you want to build a friendship with. So you invite them over to your home, you share, you break bread together around your table, you chat, you begin to either build a new relationship or strengthen an existing one. So, you want, so when it says they ate and drank, it just showed that they had fellowship, that they had this level of communion with God. 
and it just reaffirmed that all this was real. It, it wasn't just a vision. It wasn't something surreal. It was, it was a legitimate encounter with God because they were able to eat and drink afterwards. And you know what, Journey? God has given us a special meal to remind us that we belong to him by covenant. Today we, we call it the Lord's Supper or Communion. And every week we celebrate communion to remember the sacrifice of Jesus because it points back to the blood that he shed on the cross for us. But it also points forward to a future meal, this future feast that we're going to have with God in heaven. It's a meal that we celebrate with the living God. And that meal, it confirms our covenant relationship with him. You know that moment on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24 where the leaders of Israel encounter the living God is really it's repeated and fulfilled the night that Jesus pulled his disciples together in this upper room to celebrate a feast called Passover. And in that, as they were going through the, the Old Testament feast that every Jew would celebrate to, to uh, reflect upon this exodus out of Egypt, Jesus took it and brought it new meaning. Jesus took it and fulfilled it. He said in Luke chapter 22, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When you read that, you can see that how that just reflects back to Exodus 24. Jesus is bringing this new covenant, a new, a new level of relationship, and it's also done through blood. But we also see Jesus taking the initiative, don't we? Not only did, did, he, did he bring it to the disciples saying the new covenant in my blood, but he also took the initiative by simply coming to earth for us. We see Jesus communicating this covenant through his words. We see, it we see him confirming it through his blood. We see him uh, confirming it with a meal. So to truly understand the impact of the words of Jesus there in Luke 22, we need to know what took place in Exodus 24 because they're tied together. You see, that's why it's so important to study this Old Testament background because it helps us understand who our Savior Jesus is. So what, what about us? What does all that have to do with us today? See, Exodus 24 really is a beautiful picture of a worship service. I mean, it's this big worship service where Moses and the Israelites are invited to participate, to encounter God and to worship him. And that's the story of their salvation, and in, in a sense, it's the story of our salvation as well. Because like the Israelites, God calls us to worship him. But because of our, our sin, we are separated from God. And that sin keeps us at a distance from him. But God provided a sacrifice through blood to restore relationship with him. And for the Israelites, it was the blood of an animal. For us today, it's the blood of Jesus. And once our sins have been forgiven, we can enjoy that fellowship with the living God. We can sit down and enjoy a meal we call communion, and we can, we can look forward to a meal in heaven called the feast and a banquet. You know, it's all about a relationship 
that our God desires to have with us. I'm going to invite the praise team back up this morning. And as they come up, you know, that, that's why the cross of Jesus is so central to our salvation. Because it's only by the blood of Jesus that, that we have a relationship with God. It's only the only way to be saved, to be forgiven, to have a right relationship is by the blood of Jesus. And you know what? His sacrifice makes life a reality. It comes down to this. Relationships begin at the point of death. The death of Jesus as the Lamb of God and the death of self in our surrender to Jesus as Lord. So Journey, what's your response going to be? You know, like I said earlier, the Word of God calls for a response. Following Jesus call, calls for a response on our part. I, I don't know where, where you're at in that spectrum of, you know, just checking out who Jesus is or embrace Jesus or trying to keep him at bay, but Scripture, our Lord and Savior Jesus, it does call for a response on our part. So I pray this morning that you can give a resounding yes to Jesus. That you can, you can surrender your life to him. Whether that's just saying yes today through the waters of baptism. Man, I want all of us to say yes to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for giving us this example of worship from Exodus 24. But more so, Lord, I, I thank you for fulfilling that through Jesus, your son. So today, Lord, we look to him. We seek forgiveness and salvation through him and his blood. And Father, we know that relationships begin at the point of death. The death of your son, Jesus, and the death of ourselves in surrender to you. So Father, bring us to that place. Bring us to that place of surrender so that we might live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.